Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast from dynastyleaguefootball.com and a dlf family a podcast that's James the Brain. John, I find myself in a very familiar position. The Browns are out of the playoffs, and I'm sitting here for fantasy purposes only. I am John, falling through the ranks, Hogue. This is a Super Flex Super Show. Man, that was a, a pretty depressing way to start this off, James the Brain. We haven't been able to podcast for a while uh, together and uh, finally get an opportunity here and start off with a dark cloud over us uh the shape of uh odell beckham jr yeah I, i'm used to that dark cloud being over me it's been over me uh you know <laughs> a good good portion of my football life so uh, <laughs> it, it might be different for you um however as a broncos fan i'm sure you've had some dark days buddy so uh, <laughs> you're probably a little familiar with this too um but yeah man it's uh again this year was even more disappointing just because expectations were there to at least be in the running for a playoff spot towards the end of the year and now it's just kind of we're running out the clock and we still got three games left so it is disappointing that's for sure but uh i think some major changes are coming cleveland's way in the off season but that'll be a topic for a different day john we got a lot to talk about today yeah man we we've got a ton to talk about um yeah we're definitely gonna have to revisit the browns though you know what i what i was thinking that we probably need to do uh here at some point as we again as we continue to transition from you know our in-season format to uh, a non-point scoring season format um and uh you know kind of get away from redraft and more into dynasty I think at some point we need to go down every single NFL roster and do an audit of the quarterback position and just kind of how how comfortable do you feel with each starting quarterback? I'm really curious how, uh, I mean, you definitely you, I mean, there's, there's going to be some, some, some slant, some bias to it, but uh, just kind of generally speaking, how do people feel about Baker Mayfield right now? Um, you know, both for fantasy, you know, for dynasty purposes and, and just kind of in general for NFL purposes, how does this look going forward? How do you feel, you know, the, the like take Jameis Winston, for example, because I've been harping on this for well over a year now is the fact that as great as he is for fantasy purposes, he, I, I don't trust him to keep his job. And therefore, he's very risky for dynasty purposes. So I, I'm, I, you know, I can't help but wonder if Baker Mayfield starts to slip into that that same category. But like you said, that's for a, a future episode. Uh, we've got a lot going on right now 
in the here and now. It's week 15. It's a semifinals in all of the, you know, the the sane uh, fantasy football leagues. Um, championship next week. You're one win away from from playing for all the marbles, all the all the, the the big prize, and suddenly week 14 just kind of flipped everything uh, completely upside down with all the injuries. Um, all of a sudden, waivers become extremely fertile. Me and Brian Har, we didn't really go over uh, uh, the waiver wires, ad drops. Um, anything like that a whole lot last week because there really wasn't a whole lot to do. There wasn't a whole lot to say about it. So we just kind of skipped straight into fantasy stuff. But uh, we're going to have a live show on Wednesday night. Um, So uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out uh, later on tonight at, I believe, 7 p.m. Eastern time and uh, with a tentative cast of... Uh, Stompy, Brian Har, and Dr. Ethan Turner uh, to to help you get ready for week 15 in terms of start sits. Um, you can bring your your start sit questions to the live chat and they'll answer them there. And in in the meantime, Dr. Ethan's going to answer uh, injury questions on guys like DJ Chark, Devontae Parker, etc. And uh, they'll just break down the matchups um, when they're not answering your listener questions. But uh, we felt like we have some standard operating procedures to get to this week in the in the wake, in the, the fallout, the aftermath of that destructive, devastating week 14. Uh, we've got a lot of, of players uh, who are likely on waivers um, that uh, that you might want to prioritize. So uh, we're going to start there. Um, and then uh, we and then we'll get to some dynasty stuff uh, as soon as we get through our SOPs. So, James, what I think we're going to do here is uh, I, I just let me just give you this list of players, and then I'm going to have you prioritize them and maybe even talk about um, you know or, or is there anybody that you're willing to spend you know all of your remaining budget on uh, right now if you're uh, first of all, if you're if you're playing, you know you're still in the playoffs. And second of all, if you're out of the playoffs, but uh, I guess we can leave that part out. I mean, it, it's just kind of if you're playing for something and you've got fab dollars remaining, these are the guys that you want. So we also want to prioritize them for those who don't use fab, but uh, we'll do a combination of both. So first up, we've got one quarterback to talk about here. And it's Robert Griffin III. So uh, the backup to Lamar Jackson, uh, the the one absolute slam dunk must start every single week. Fan, you know, matchup proof player in the entire NFL. I mean, possibly him and Michael Thomas, I suppose, but um, it, nobody else is is has proven to be completely matchup proof. But Lamar Jackson is there. He's got a great matchup at home against the New York Jets. And now he has what what was his injury? I don't I don't remember now. Yeah, uh give me one second. I'm actually I was just about to look that up here as well. Um I know that uh he he did come out today and confirm that he's going to to play on Thursday. Um but 
Um, I, I think it was a knee. He was saying something about that's right. Uh, how they were hitting him low. Yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, I'm assuming it's a it's a lower leg injury for sure. Yeah. Which, by the way, not to foreshadow too much, but uh, when we get to the dynasty stuff, this is why Lamar Jackson still makes me nervous. <laughs> he's he's running around. He's in the open field. He's getting hit in the legs. Like this, that's the stuff that shortens careers. And yeah, you, you stated this several times, also, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I think it's good. I think it's good that you're sticking to your guns, obviously, because Lamar Jackson's having an MVP type season, and it's hard to to be critical of somebody who's doing that um, in only a second year. But yeah, you do see some uh, some risk there, and I think that that's fun to kind of talk about a little bit. I'm I, I got to be honest with you, John. I'm going back a little bit, but I'm chomping at the bit to do this, this off season thing where we can go over these teams and kind of do a uh, state of the dynasty or state of the team, state of the uh, state of the week type thing where we're going team by team and, and looking over some of those players, that's going to be fun, but let's stick to the stick to it now. And uh, let's, let's, let's continue talking about RG three. He is, uh, you know, I mean, if Lamar Jackson does miss, which I mean, it could happen for a, a plethora of reasons. They could have the one seed locked up after this week, yeah. uh, and then and then what? You know, I mean, why why would you play Lamar Jackson at that point? You know, maybe you play him for a half, uh, but maybe not. Maybe you just play RG three and and let him, you know, kind of kind of finish it out. Um, why risk Lamar Jackson getting injured? So, um, really, is interesting. I think RG three is one of those players too who probably, I mean, there's a drop off from Lamar Jackson RG three. Don't get me wrong, but with the rushing upside that RG three has, I don't know how much that drop off is he's still a guy I would feel very comfortable starting in my fantasy playoffs John what about you yeah absolutely if if he got the opportunity and I, I mean just kind of the way this offense is set up I think that you know I, I I won't say that I think RG3 steps in and does exactly what Lamar Jackson does I don't think anybody's capable of that but I think that the the skill sets are you know they 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 translate it's it's obviously not you know it's on two totally different scales but it's very otherwise it's a similar a similar skill set uh between lamar jackson and rg3 so you know if if you're the lamar jackson owner i do think you know and and it kind of depends on on your roster makeup um but i you know i think that rg3 is worth a pickup uh week 16 they would be at cleveland um, not a great matchup, uh, you know, for, for quarterbacks, um, not a great matchup for running backs either. So, you know, running quarterbacks might struggle a little bit. Um, but you know, if, a, again, if they win this week and, you know, I, I, I don't even know what it would take exactly for them to, to lock it up. Would, would new England have to lose? Is that what, is that the deal? I, I don't, I haven't even looked at the standings, but. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to look at that right now and kind of see. Um, it looks like uh, in the standings, New England is ten and three. The Ravens are eleven and two. However, I I would think the tiebreaker is head to head, and Baltimore's already beaten New England head to head. Yep. Um, so I think even if Baltimore wins, well, yeah, I you know being that it's week seventeen, um, they would probably need New England to lose, and that's that's tough against Cincinnati. Um, that that might not uh, might not happen, but if they're happy with the two seed and just getting a first round buy, um, especially if something happens to Lamar Jackson, I mean maybe that's really where we have to focus. Is you know he's coming in hobbled, people are going after his legs. If something were to happen, RG three would be the guy to step right in. So I think it's still a good speculative ad. 
Yeah, I think so too. So uh, the other one I'm curious about, um, I'm trying to look this up. Oh, so the, so the chiefs are nine and four and they beat the Ravens earlier this year. So, so the chiefs have the tiebreaker on the Ravens. So yeah, there's, there are kind of two, two things getting in the way here. So it's, it's, uh, so the Chiefs and the Patriots would also would have to lose and the Ravens win uh, in order for the Ravens to lock it up this week. So um, Chiefs at home against Denver, um, it, it it's not real likely, which is good news for fantasy purposes. But I still think, uh, you know, all that being said, I still think RG3 is probably worth the, uh, the pickup. Uh, just kind of is the handcuff to Lamar Jackson. Um, now, you know, you've got that kind of dual threat working right now of the injury and, you know, the Ravens potentially locking up that number one seed and having nothing to play for in week 16. So um, I, I think that he really only has value to the Lamar Jackson owner. So I don't think that you're going to have to spend a whole lot uh, in that same offense. Uh, Hayden Hurst, backup tight end mark andrews went down with an injury as well um he's uh he's right now listed as questionable i i i think that ethan turner is probably going to talk about talk about uh uh, mark andrews for us on the live show um so i can't really speculate so right now again it's it's kind of the same thing to me at least right hayden hurst is kind of a pickup if you're the mark andrews owner I mean, I think that you can probably actually find better tight ends out there. Um, Nick Boyle is still pretty involved in that offense. And, and you know, it, it would probably be a cannibalization between those two if Mark Andrews was not able to go. Um, but, you know, I, I we, we felt like we still needed to mention him uh, just in just in case I. I I mean, for you, is it is it a just kind of a handcuff scenario, or is there any other reason to pick up Hayden Hurst? Yeah, to an extent, it, it'll be interesting. You know, Baltimore does win. I mean, they have multiple tight ends that they feel good running out there. I think so. If there's one guy that they might sit for a stretcher on, it might be Mark Andrews. So Hayden Hurst might have some. Uh, same thing with Nick Boyle. I think both both those guys might have uh, some sort of upside. Especially, it looked like Hayden Hurst was going to take that Mark Andrews role while while he was out last week. He uh, he caught one of the deep passes that he was targeted on and looked pretty good. So. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's a speculative ad. I, I think you know if if you have Mark Andrews, it's definitely someone you want to pick up um, with their plan on Thursday. Um, you know you will have other options to switch him out though if he doesn't play. So that's the good news. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I you know this team likes to target their tight ends. If Mark Andrews is out, you know Hayden Hurst is definitely someone I'd be looking at, especially against a Jets team you know that uh, hasn't been very good. Um, really against anything as a fight. So, uh, you know, it, it would be a nice matchup regardless. Yeah. Um, so let's get into some guys that I, that you probably are picking up. Um, at least most of these guys are going to be waiver priorities. Nothing at the quarterback position really to, to speak of. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is really the only one at risk of the starting quarterbacks he's the only one at risk of missing the game and and it sounds like he already is planning on playing um but you know on a on a short week uh playing in the thursday night game um that was that was kind of the only angle 
uh, Pat Mahomes dealing with an, a hand injury. Um, there's no indication that he's going to miss the game. Um, so, you know, I think RG3 would be the only quarterback that you're looking at on waivers. Um, D- ditto Hayden Hurst, honestly, a tight end. It's it's still a pretty streamable position. Um, so there are probably guys out there to consider, but um, no, you know, no sense of, we've got a handful of those guys. So first of all, Raheem Mostert, still not, you know, overly owned in a lot of leagues. Um, and he, I mean, it sure looks like he's kind of, uh, he he's going to set himself apart as the lead running back for San Francisco. Um, and man, I got to be honest, every time I watch them play, I mean, I, I, I watch Moster, I watch Tevin Coleman. I watch Matt Breda. I watched, I, I mean, Jeffrey Wilson isn't really in this discussion, but I, you know, just for due diligence purposes, I watched Jeffrey Wilson and Raheem Mostert is the best back of all of them to my eye. So, you know, it stands to reason that he would, that he would take over the feature role as he's more and more productive. It's, you know, even if it's just a hot hand type of scenario, which we've seen Kyle Shanahan run with before uh, in his various stops. I mean, Raheem Mostert at the very least right now has the hot hand. And to me, he's the most talented back. He's the most complete back on that depth chart. DeAndre Washington. So uh, Josh Jacobs was a true game time decision and ended up missing with that shoulder injury, and I, which I believe was a fracture, uh, if I if I remember right. And you know the, I, I don't know how close he was to actually playing, and I don't know that you. I I don't I don't know that he's going to be, you know, particularly viable this week either, even though it seems like he almost played against Tennessee. Um, I mean, my I I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Josh Jacobs is actually, you know, uh, he's, he's not particularly healthy, that he's not really an option for them. Meanwhile, they've got a nice set of, uh, of games coming up here to finish out the fantasy playoffs at home against Jacksonville and at the uh, the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Boston Scott. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I keep interrupting you. So before I before I fantasize about Boston Scott, I'm going to let you uh, talk about those two guys. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Mozart. I think uh, when you watch Tevin Coleman, Matt Breda, and Mozart, and he's he's the guy right now. It's going to be his his job to lose. Kind of, he, he's you know he's going to get the majority of the carries unless he you know does something to lose them. Um, and so that's that's always you know kind of a nice feeling when you can pick somebody up, especially on a team that runs as often and as effectively as uh, effectively as the 49ers do. Um, that's that's the kind of guy I want to target on the waiver wire. So I like the fact you could pick him up for a uh, a playoff run here. And then DeAndre Washington is very interesting. It's a guy who I always thought had talent. When they drafted Josh Jacobs, it became clear that uh, this guy was going to be second, maybe even third fiddle with Jalen Richard back there. Um, but he ended up getting the nod with Jacobs out. And you're right. I, I don't know. 
if Jacobs is close to returning or not. But at this point, you know, I would rather pick Washington up. And if he doesn't, you know, if Jacobs does play and looks like he's going to be full go, I can always try to make another another ad drop. But I think right now uh, Washington has some value, especially if you are the Jacobs owner, then you, you got to kind of go get him. So um, that's all I had on those two guys, John. We, we can proceed here. So as of now, which is your higher priority, Raheem Mostert or DeAndre Washington? For me, it's Mostert. Um, it doesn't take uh, anybody being out or anybody missing any time for Mostert to have value. Um, I think he's got value regardless. So uh, to me, it's Mostert. Um, however, I think the upside is there for DeAndre Washington. If, if Jacobs is out, um, you know, you got two good matchups like you stated. One against Jacksonville. We saw uh, you know, how good they are at stopping the run. Ask Derrick Henry. Um, they, they, they have some trouble stopping the run at times, right? So uh, DeAndre Washington could be in uh, in for a nice stat line if uh, Josh Jacobs doesn't play. The only problem is that we don't know. Uh, we, we won't know for a little bit um, until the, uh, the injury report comes out. Normally that's Wednesday or Thursday. They kind of update that kind of stuff. So um, because of that, I think I would feel more comfortable putting, uh, putting my money on Mosert. All right. Uh, yeah, so Boston Scott is uh, next up on the running back list here. And – that the Philadelphia Eagles were going absolutely nowhere on Monday night against uh, the New York Giants until, and, and in fact, kept losing players due to injury. In the second half, they come out with Boston Scott, and he was just unstoppable, just grinding out yards. And, you know, J- they were able to just move the ball up and down the field with Boston Scott, both in the running game and in the passing game. He energized them to uh, uh, come from behind victory and uh, an overtime victory, uh, 23-17. And, uh, I mean, I, to me, based on what he did, not only the, you know, just the production and the efficiency, but you know, the, the, the intangible spark that he brought to that offense when they really desperately needed it. You know, they were looking, they were face to face with playoff, uh, with, uh, with being disqualified from playoff contention and Boston Scott basically just saved their entire season with that. So uh, to me, he just earned a starting role. I don't know how you get away from Boston Scott after what he just did for your franchise and for your season. So all of a sudden, Boston Scott, to me at least, I, I mean, he should be the feature back in Philadelphia. The Jay Ajayi experiment should should be at this point, you know, dead and buried. Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders should be much more effective than he was, and and I mean, he he came out of this game with an injury, but um, I believe that he uh, it, he was healthy enough. It was just that Boston Scott was just far more. Uh, far more effective, and then Jordan Howard missed the game with an injury. the 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 knock on Boston Scott has always been the size. I just I I don't see why that matters. In fact, sometimes you know that that size, that low center of gravity, is actually a huge plus for a running back. So, I've always been super high on Boston Scott. I know you have too. You were actually the first one to even mention that name to me, and I went back and watched some tape at your recommendation. And said, you know what? This this is a this is a fun little player right here. So um, if he ever gets an opportunity, and and I think he's going to run with it. And lo and behold, here's the opportunity. So uh, for you, Boston Scott or Raheem Mostert? 
Boy, that one's tough for me. Um, you know how much I like Boston Scott. You kind of mentioned it. Both of us are very high on him. Um, he just came. He just looked electric. He looked like, you know, the playmaker that I, I kind of thought he was going to be coming into the week. Um, so yeah, you I, just, I, just kind of backdoored uh, an electric playmaker on him. I, and I don't think we're quite there, but yeah, you're right. You're right. My Chris Carson's going to pass that torch at some point, but right, uh, not yet. No, no, not yet. He'll, he'll always be the one and only electric playmaker. But no, he is. He's fun to watch. He really is. I mean, he's only five six, but he is over two hundred pounds, so he has a thick build. He can hold up. Um, you know, he runs hard. Uh, that's the the one thing I love about him is even though he's a he's a short guy, he he you know he really does run hard. He has explosiveness. He's good in the passing game. He's kind of got everything that you need. Um, so I really like that. However, I will say the Eagles have two division matchups coming up. One is against the Redskins, and while Washington isn't a great offensive team defensively they've been playing a little bit better as of late um and then they have dallas and i don't know what to make of the dallas cowboys but they're in dallas um so that that concerns me a little bit also this is the first time we've seen the eagles really use boston scott uh, a lot i i'm a little concerned just because it's hard for me to trust doug peterson week in and week out um to do the right thing and i think the right thing here is hey you know uh boston scott has earned some playing time and some carries so um so, yeah, he, he should be on the field. I, I just don't know that that's going to happen. I do know with Mosert that, you know, it's going to happen. So, again, Mosert to me is going to be my top claim here out of these two. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, all right. Well, real quick, just to uh, just to put a bow on this this little piece of it, I guess. Boston Scott or DeAndre Washington, who's the higher priority for you? Oh, man, that is tough. Um, boy, DeAndre Washington just has such a nice schedule coming up. Um, that that's what makes this close for me, but I, I buy Boston Scott's talent a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, not, not to mention the fact that, I mean, the Eagles are really struggling at wide receiver. They could, they could put Boston Scott in the slot and they wouldn't miss a whole lot. So, um, so or I Miles Sanders, maybe it, maybe yeah. that's the answer. Move Miles Sanders in this slot better than Josh McCown, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're right. I mean, one of those guys playing wide receiver. I mean, uh, they don't they don't lose much with that. So yeah, I uh, I like that uh, that probability. So I think I would wean Boston Scott, but I think it's very close between those two. Actually, I'm curious what you think between those two, John. Yeah, for me, it's Boston Scott. Um, and, and again, you know, there's there's just some risk with DeAndre Washington. I mean, this this may be nothing. You know, this this may turn out to be absolutely nothing here. Um, you know, there's, there's a chance that he gets a starting role. And even then Jalen Richard is still there, you know, Deandre Washington ended up being, he, he, uh, out targeted Jalen Richard, uh, against Tennessee. So, um, you know, there, there's definitely a theory to be, to be held that Deandre Washington would be the feature back. Um, but I mean, there, there's, there's a, a lot of ifs, whereas, like I said, I mean, the the idea that Boston Scott takes on a bigger role uh, here down the stretch in these last two games of the fantasy season for the Eagles, like it feels like a slam dunk to me just based on what he just did. So so I'm going to go Boston Scott, but I agree with you that Raheem Mostert so far is our, our number one uh, priority. So our last two running backs here, Patrick Laird, officially the lead the lead back for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the, you know, the idea that Miles Gaskin was going to, to threaten that, uh, we can officially close the book on that. Um, Patrick Laird has been 
uh, he's he's out targeted, out snapped everything. Um, uh, Miles Gaskin, and it's a decent matchup or a, a decent schedule here. They've get the I, I mean New York Giants this week. It's pretty pretty middle of the road, but we just saw back to Boston Scott. We just saw we just saw that you can run on that defense. And and then they're uh, at home against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are allowing the sixth most fantasy points to running backs uh, in your fantasy championship. So decent schedule there for Patrick Laird. Uh, and then Adrian Peterson is our final guy uh, at the running back position. Darius Geis put on IR with that knee injury. Man, that one hurts. <laughs> that one, that one, uh, that gets a little bit frustrating. So. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Darius guys here in a minute, but as far as Adrian Peterson, he should take on the lead back role, uh, going forward. Uh, I'm sure Wendell Smallwood will be involved probably more in the passing game, but I think your workhorse is Adrian Peterson. Um, and, uh, not a great schedule though. I mean, they're at home against Philadelphia who, uh, is allowing the 10th fewest fantasy points to running backs. Uh, and then they're at home uh, to the New York Giants in, you know, what we just said is a, a pretty middle of the road matchup for running backs. So either of those two, uh, do, do you put either of those two over Raheem Mostert or Boston Scott? You know, I don't. Um, Patrick Laird is close to me. I, look, Adrian Peterson, I think, has been very good um, throughout this year. Uh, if he's on your waiver wire, I would definitely recommend going to get him. Uh, Washington, with Dwayne Haskins, has been running the ball more. He's going to see opportunity. And they've been pretty good running the ball. I mean, even when guys had his big game, Adrian Peterson came in, rushed for close to 100 yards. I think he had 99 yards in that game, the same game that guys went over 100. So uh, he, he's been good. When Washington has had success running the ball, Adrian Peterson has been good. Uh, Chris Thompson doesn't seem to be taking a whole lot of that role when Geis was there. It'll be interesting to see if his role grows. Um, but to me, Adrian Peterson's a, a no-brainer. You know, you, you add him and, uh, you know, you, with the schedule, probably don't feel great about using him this week. Um, but next week, I, I would feel a whole lot better about using him. So if you're adding him, you're probably adding him for a championship week, uh, which I don't love doing. So he's kind of low on my, on my list because of that. Patrick Laird is interesting. Um, like you said, the schedule is pretty good. Um, it's it's not a bad schedule for him. And these are games that the Dolphins should be in against the Giants and against the Bengals. Um, so the running game probably won't disappear. Laird has been good catching the ball out of the backfield too. So he's shown that he has you know both those dimensions to his game. Um, they're using him much more than Miles Gaskin. Gaskin's barely registering any carries. Um, so Laird just on volume to me, I vault him over DeAndre Washington and I would say he's my number three ad here at the running back position. Um, I don't know how effective he is. I don't know how good he's going to be, but I do know that uh, I, I expect the Dolphins to be able to score some points against these teams, and I could see Laird getting in the end zone and having a pretty decent fantasy day for you on both these weeks uh, with the matchup. I agree with you. Yeah, um, you know, you've again, you've got not only the the lead back, but I mean, borderline bell cow at this point. Uh, Miles Gaskin, his, his, you know, he got on the field, but it was heavy heavily in favor of Patrick Laird decent schedule here. Not, not the greatest, but not bad by any means, probably a better schedule than Boston Scott over the last two weeks. And now you've got Devonte Parker in the concussion protocol. You know, there's, it, it, there's a good chance that this off, if Devonte Parker were to miss 
uh, the game this week. Uh, you know, there's there's a good chance that that offense runs almost exclusively through Patrick Laird. So um, it, it seems like we're on the same page here. Basically, our uh, at the running back position, our priorities go Raheem Mostert. And for me, that's an all-in play. And then Boston Scott, Patrick Laird, DeAndre Washington, and Adrian Peterson. Uh, prioritize them in that order. Uh, and you know, beyond Mostert, I think it just kind of depends on what type of, uh, um, you know, how big is the need, how much fab do you have left? How much fab does the rest of the league have? All of this comes into play. So it makes it really hard to give an exact number. Um, but I don't think it's an all in on any of those guys other than Raheem Mostert, uh, wide receiver position. And, and we'll crank through these significantly faster, but with the same basic, uh, format here, the same basic structure show. So first of all, Brashad Perriman and Justin Watson, and we saw both of them kind of take on, uh, you know, combined to take on the role of Mike Evans. Once Evans went down with that hamstring injury, who he's now out for the season. Um, it, you know, Brashad Perriman becomes the starting outside wide receiver and, you know, in theory, the number two option. But if you look at the depth chart, Justin Watson is actually the backup to Mike Evans. So it makes it a little bit of a tricky situation. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that probably both of them are viable, but, uh, um, I'm I'm going to get through the list and then just get your thoughts because uh, this I think it's going to be a little bit of a tough one to navigate. Um, meanwhile, Danny Amendola, uh, Marvin Jones goes on season-ending IR. Um, they're just they're just kind of running out of options at this point. Um, Danny Amendola has has really been pretty involved in the offense all all year, anyways, uh, and now he's probably in line for a little bit of a target bump. Uh, Chris Conley with DJ Chark in a walking boot right at the moment. Uh, Chris Conley is in line to be, you know, the number one outside wide receiver with DD West Westbrook running from the slot. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, you know, an offense that, that absolutely targets that outside position. And we've seen Chris Conley have standalone value, even with DJ Chark healthy. So, if DJ Chark were to miss some time, I think Chris Conley becomes a pretty interesting, um, it, you know, he, sh he should definitely get some target volume. Uh, Marcus Johnson, who right now is the number two wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts behind Zach Pascal. He had a long touchdown. It, it's not a, it's not a, not a particularly dynamic offense right at the moment, but um, Zach, uh, Jacoby Brissett seems to have some rapport with Marcus Johnson. He seems to favor Marcus Johnson, at least, you know, somewhat. So, um, you know, if, if you lost some of the guys that, that we're going to talk about, uh, to injuries, uh, Marcus Johnson, I, I think you could definitely do worse in a pinch than adding Marcus Johnson, uh, Greg Ward. It's kind of the same thing. It's a, it's a little bit of a, an attrition thing, but he actually played, uh, pretty admirably for the Philadelphia Eagles in that come from behind victory. Um, you know, Boston Scott sparked the whole thing, but Greg Ward certainly played a role as uh, the one of the only healthy wide receivers remaining uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles right at the moment. Alex Erickson, 
uh, wide receiver for the Bengals as Auden Tate goes on season-ending IR. John Ross is back, so there is that. Uh, you also have uh, Tyler Boyd still, um, as far as I know, relatively healthy. <laughs> so, um, you know, there there's still some options in that offense, but Alex Erickson likely steps into that that outside receiver, you know, kind of that that big body type of role that Auden Tate was holding. And finally, Russell Gage with Calvin Ridley going on season-ending IR with that abdominal injury. Uh, Russell Gage, who had already been um, kind of the the kind of the probably like the third or fourth option generally in that offense. And, and he gets promoted by a spot with uh, Calvin Ridley out for the season. Julio Jones still nursing an injury. Um, he, he did play, but he's not at a hundred percent. Ditto Austin Hooper. Um, Devonte Freeman to me is always injured. So I, you know, it's, it's probably, he's not injury prone, but he's, uh, He's he's never 100%. So Russell Gage might be the healthiest weapon on that offense. And now he becomes the number two wide receiver, probably the third, third-ish option, second or third option, um, generally speaking. So what do you think, James, about those wide receivers? Who who stands out to you if, if you lost a wide receiver or two uh, to injury, who who is your number one target here on waivers? Yeah, that's a good question. For me, it's Chris Conley. Um, and the reason being is because, first off, they play Oakland um, this upcoming week, and the Raiders are terrible against opposing receivers. Chris Conley looks like he is going to be, like you said, he's he's in line for a majority of the target share there. Um, you have a quarterback who's playing for, you know, uh, looking for a starting spot next year. Um, so I think there's going to be some urgency on that offense. I think Chris Conway is going to be the main beneficiary of shark misses. So uh, I, to me, he's my number one. It's it's not too close, to be honest with you. Um, I really like his matchup next week. And, and you know, we'll worry about week 16 when we come to it. Uh, a lot of times I don't like doing those ads that uh, – that you know you're you know week 15 you wouldn't play them but week 16 you would if you make it there well let's let's try to pick up some guys that are going to help us make it there first um that's kind of my my approach to it and that's why marcus johnson's pretty well on my list um he has definitely shown a lot of chemistry uh with with jacoby Brissett. but next week man they play monday night in new orleans um this is a get right game for the saints that defense was embarrassed against uh san francisco they're much better than that i expect them to play much better than that at home on national television um so i i think that game could be uh could be ugly i don't know that i like a whole lot of colts in that one um my second one here is probably Bashad Perriman. Uh, I think Perriman has showed me a little bit more over the course of the season than Justin Watson has. He's shown that he can make those big plays in the passing game. That's what uh, Winston likes to do. He likes to take those shots deep downfield, and that's why he has so many turnovers is because sometimes he just doesn't, you know, he he uh, he doesn't, you know, uh, compensate for, you know, the defensive coverage when he wants to go downfield. So um, he, he, to me, is my second. I know there's some risk there, but I think that Tampa Bay offense is one of the better offenses that we have, a, uh, you know, a guy that we're looking at on right now. Um, so I think I would be looking at Rashad Perriman as my second. And then I'll give you one more. My, my third here of the group is probably Russell Gage. Again, this is a good offense, an Atlanta team that likes to throw the ball. Uh, Calvin Ridley being out is going to be a huge loss for them. They just got Austin Hooper back last, last week. Um, so with Hooper, 
receiver with Julio Jones, it looks like Russell Gage is going to be in line for a huge increase in, in workload. Um, Atlanta defensively is not very good. They're throwing the ball an awful lot these days. And I think Russell Gage could be in line for uh, a couple good games here to close the season. So those would be my three, John. Um, do you have a, a different three here that you'd be looking at if you had Brinkham or, um, or where, where are you going here? Uh, I, I definitely agree on Chris Conley. I think I'm going to probably bump Russell Gage up to number two. And that's only because I have a harder time. I, I mean, I, I, I've been high on Justin Watson. I've been waiting for that breakout for, you know, almost two years now. And we were, we're finally seeing that opportunity. Uh, but to me, the fact that Brashad Perriman already had you know, such an established, such a, a solid concrete role in that offense as kind of the, the other outside wide receiver opposite of uh, Mike Evans. It, it makes things a little bit tricky for me. You know, I, I think that just Justin Watson obviously gets the biggest value bo- boost here. I think that he goes from, you know, uh, you know, obscurity, 0% ownership all the way up to, you know, all of a sudden, this is this is absolutely a flex type consideration, but you know, just the fact that Brashad Perriman, um, you know, nothing really changes for him other than the target share, the the increase. You know, he's going to be on the field just like he always was. It makes me wonder if maybe he's going to be the bigger pickup. Um, I definitely believe in Justin Watson's talent quite a bit more. Um, but I, opportunity wise, I'm, I think I'm going to lean towards Brashad Perriman. So I'm going to have those guys three, four, um, but I'm going to go Perriman over Watson personally. Yeah, I like it. I, I like Watson a lot too. Um, I think the, the, one of the main things that I lean towards Perriman for is because they had a new coach this year and, you know, another new playbook for Watson to learn second year in the league. And he's learning, you know, kind of the nuances of a new system. I think it'll take a year for him to get his feet under him. And that sometimes happens with receivers. You see, you know, a third year breakout or something, um, you know, and a lot of people have been, have been commenting how second year breakout is more the norm, but I think a lot of that has to do with some continuity. Um, and I don't think that they've had that in Tampa Bay. Uh, so uh, Justin Watson's a guy who I like a lot next season i think this year though they probably feel more comfortable going with a guy who uh who i've seen a little bit more from thus far at this point but i I like that i think i think if i had to pick a fourth that might be mine too just because i think the upside is there for both those guys yeah definitely so uh yeah i i i think that overall uh, you know you you probably want to mostly stay away from this wide receiver group if you can do it um, again, I, I, you know, I think the running backs are the high priority if, if, you know, you're still relatively healthy or just kind of looking for, for bench depth with some, you know, the potential to actually plug and play some guys, I think it's the running backs. Um, if, if you happen to lose some of these, these wide receivers to injuries though, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that we're, we're pretty close to in line as far as, uh, those wide receivers go. Marcus Johnson, Greg Ward, Alex Erickson, um, don't move the needle a whole lot, but in those super deep leagues, I think that uh, it's it's better than having an empty roster spot this time of year. Um, so speaking of those injured players, though, that uh, that we just lost for the season, um, we're going to get into some drops here. And again, this is redraft only. Don't drop these guys in dynasty leagues, but in redraft, 
Uh, these are some guys who went down for the season, and I'm actually just going to let you go through it, James. Um, give us the guys who uh, who are droppable due to injuries. Yeah, absolutely. This is just going to be kind of in list form because these guys are all guys that are that are going to be out for the year. Um, we have Darius Geis, uh, you know, placed on IR. Rashad Penny, same. Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, Paris Campbell, Auden Tate, Marvin Jones, Marquise Goodwin, um, and Alshon Jeffrey. So all those guys have been placed on season-ending IR. There's no reason to keep them on your roster. They're not coming back this year. They're not even eligible to play. So just just cut bait with them. Um, you know, you might as well add somebody, no matter who it is that. Uh, that is, you know, has a chance to hit the field. There you go. And some guys that you can drop despite the fact that they're relatively healthy. First of all, Brandon cooks. And this is just, this is officially just a down season for not only that, not only Brandon cooks, that entire LA Rams offense has just been, and they've looked better the last, you know, couple of weeks. They've certainly been better. Brandon cooks still just isn't involved right now. I don't think that that says anything going forward. I think for dynasty purposes, uh, he, they're, they're all going to be just fine, including Brandon cooks. I think, you know, that monster contract that he has, I think that ties him to the team. I don't think they're going to be able to move on from, I don't think they can afford to move on from him. Um, especially with how, how, uh, strapped they're going to be against the salary cap, uh, this off season. So, um, I, you know, in, in dynasty purposes, I'm not worried about Brandon cooks, but for redraft purposes at this point, you can just drop him. Tevin Coleman. I think you can drop him as well. I know that we don't totally agree on that one. I just, I, I, I see the way Raheem Mostert is running right now. I, I know that Tevin Coleman is still, has still been involved in the offense. I just think Raheem Mostert is going to be the only startable back as long as he's healthy for the rest of this season. You know, I, I, if, if you've got the roster space to do it, I could see hanging on to Tevin Coleman is kind of a, um, you, you know, kind of a handcuff, kind of a, you know, a, a lotto ticket. If Raheem Mostert were to go down, uh, you know, I, Tevin Coleman would obviously take on a huge role and it's still possible that Tevin Coleman gets there this season again. Um, but I, I don't think that we're planning on it. And it, to me, this time of year, if if it's a guy that you don't see yourself starting, I st- and and there's somebody on waivers who you could potentially start, I would drop I would drop that guy and make room for somebody who's actual who's actually start worthy. And then finally the New York Jets, I mean essentially that entire offense. Uh, maybe not Lev Bell. I I don't know. I I still wouldn't feel great about starting Le'Veon Bell right now. I mean, he missed this week due to illness, so it's not like there's a lingering injury that's going to keep him from producing. It's just the fact that he really hasn't been producing this year, anyways. And this offense has just kind of been very touch and go. And now they have an absolutely dreadful schedule. <laughs> Uh, going forward, I believe it's uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, if I remember right, are their final two matchups. Um, and uh, so it's 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 bad. It's bad for the that entire offense. Yeah, Baltimore. Um, they're at Baltimore this week on uh, Thursday night, of course, and then um, uh, week sixteen, they're home against Pittsburgh. Those are very tough matchups for 
everybody on the entire offense. Sam Darnold is, you know, if you've got quarterback depth um, and you're not in a situation where you're going to have to start Sam Darnold, I would drop him. I would absolutely drop Jamison Crowder and Robbie, uh, Robbie Anderson, probably even dropping Ryan Griffin. Um, he also got hurt by the way. So like that, it, it makes that one a little bit easier. Lev Bell's the toughest one, but um, again, it, you know, if you've got the depth, he's not a guy you're going to start. And there's somebody out on waivers that you actually would start maybe at a different position. I'm dropping him. Yeah, I, I really like uh, kind of everything. First off, uh, I think you swayed me a little bit with Tevin Coleman. I think you're right. You know, this is a guy who I wouldn't feel comfortable starting this week. And, you know, the best case scenario is I'm holding him to start next week. And I don't love that. So I think you swayed me there um, that he's probably a drop. Uh, I I will say that uh, for the Jets, to me, the toughest one is Robbie Anderson. He's actually produced the last couple weeks. But like you said, man, that schedule is brutal. Do you want him going up against Marcus Peters? And as well as he's played with Baltimore, I, I, I want no part of that on Thursday night. And then, you know, in Pittsburgh, that Steelers defense and special teams has been fantastic all year. Um, I don't trust Sam Darnold enough to, to get him the ball. So, yeah, I, I think they're all drops uh, on the Jets. I think you're right. Even Le'Veon Bell, I don't love that. Um, you, can, you can go ahead and use your, you know, revenge game week 16, that narrative against Pittsburgh. But I, I, I just don't see it. He, that, that line isn't good enough. And he, Le'Veon Bell just hasn't been good enough this year uh, at producing fantasy points to where I'd feel comfortable using him in my championship week. Um, I will say this though, Brandon Cooks to me is the hardest drop here. And here's why. You're right. You, you have to drop him because you don't feel comfortable starting him after he just put up a goose egg. I mean, played and put up zero. Uh, so that's brutal, right? But of all these guys that we're talking about dropping, you know, Cooks is the one guy that could go, you know, eight for 150 and two, you know, eight, eight grabs for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And it wouldn't shock you just because he has the talent. It's just, man, I, I, how can you feel comfortable starting him this week? You can't. So if he does that, he's likely doing it on your bench. Um, and then week 16, he plays San Francisco. So I, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him even after a big game. So uh, to me, he's a drop, but he is the toughest one of the three for me. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, it, it just, man, he's just not been involved, and it, it's making it really tough uh, for me to to feel comfortable starting him. And, and again, like I said, you can't start him. I don't know, you know why you bother rostering him. Um, and, and in fact, in some of these cases, I'd almost want to drop these guys because I'm not going to start them. And I would love it if my opponent picked them up and started them against me. Uh, so, you know, it, our, our, um, our mutual, uh, uh, what do, what do we, what do we say here? Certainly not a mentor, but, um, somebody that we're, that we're both particularly enthralled with the great Paul Charchian. I know where you're going here with the sabotage. <laughs> the, <laughs> the sabotage drop. Yeah. I, I think that all three of those guys fall into that category. I, well, you know, the, the several of the jets players plus, uh, cooks and Coleman, I think they fall into that category because I think if you drop them, I think they're going to get picked up. If it's your opponent, there's a good chance that they pick them up and start them against you and get little or nothing out of them. And it's almost like you scored some extra points just from taking away from your opponent by doing it. So 
it's a it's a pretty interesting plus she took away some fab from them um or you know waiver priority whatever it is so uh but let's wrap up the sops here with some holds and uh if uh i'll just let you you run through them uh yeah, John. So the first one here is Benny Snell, and I'm definitely holding him. Um, it sounds like James Conner is still going to miss. Jalen Samuels banged up. Uh, so Benny Snell looks like he's going to get the majority of the workload again. He hasn't been all that efficient, but that offense really hasn't been very good as a whole. So let's uh, let's just kind of kind of take that for what it's worth. I don't I, I don't think it's too much of a knock on Snell, um, but I do think that this offense really just hasn't been great. Um, however, Benny Snell's going to get uh, opportunity, and where there's opportunity, um, there's always potential. So I, I would hold Snell. Ryan Fitzpatrick's a guy that you and I both kind of talked about a little bit before we started recording. He has an excellent schedule. And so, you know, you really want to hold him just because he could be a guy that could be a sneaky start in a super flex that uh, could get you over the hump, could win you a championship. Again, let's go through his schedule. He plays the Giants in New York this week. The Giants have not been good against anybody defensively. Um, I could see Miami being able to put up some points there and Ryan Fitzpatrick being responsible for him. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick also has been rushing a lot more. Um, so that that helps. And then uh, week 16 for the championship game, if you make it that far, you're, uh, the Dolphins are at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Just a terrible, terrible team. Um, you know, again, uh, we like Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot. And then Chris Godwin. Um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, it's really interesting. He's just so up and down this year. He has a monster game or he, he disappears. Um, but with uh, Mike Evans going out, um, it'll be interesting to see his role change. He's probably going to draw the number one corners if he wasn't already on some of these matchups. But uh, it will be interesting to see his role moving forward and how he can transition into that role. He's definitely a hold. I just uh, I don't know what to expect from him with Evans going down. So, um, yeah, those are the three holds that we got, John. Do you have anything else you want to add to those? Uh, totally agree on Fitzpatrick and Godwin. Um, agree with everything you said on Benny Snell. The only thing I would add to that is James Conner makes his return this week. I would like to see James Conner, uh, make it through an entire game healthy before I'm going to bail on his backup. So, um, I, because I, I'm not convinced he can do it at this point, uh, at least not here in 2019. Um, I'm a little bit surprised to see James Conner come back. In fact, I, I, I don't know why they didn't just shut him down at least until the playoffs and, and just say, you know what, let's finally get him completely healthy because he hasn't been pretty much all season. So, um, that, that's kind of the angle. I, you know, there's, it, it's, it's certainly not, we don't try and predict injuries, but with James Conner, it feels like it's, it's getting somewhat predictable. Yeah, you are right with that. I did miss that, that it does. It sounds like he's going to practice and he is slated to return week 15. It'll be interesting to see if they actually have him out there, how much he practices and, um, you know, what his workload is. Uh, either way, I think you're right. I think Snell is still a hold just because we just don't know, um, you know, if Connor can stay healthy, if he's going to get a full workload and all that. So uh, still an interesting dynamic to kind of monitor this week. And I still think I would be holding Benny Snell, like you said. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we took a little bit longer than expected, but there's your standard operating procedures going into week 15. So now go execute. And with that, we will be right back. <laughs> 